I realized we needed to like really find a way of delivering this functional medicine operating system in a way that was not reliant on doctors becoming executors, actually not reliant on doctors at all because it's such a resource constraint and getting doctors to do new things is hard. It had to be like scalable, it had to be profitable, and it had to solve some of the core issues that I saw that were holding back medicine. And the group visit model just kept on coming back. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Super excited about today's guest, my dear friend and colleague, James Maskell, who's been on a mission to flatten the curve of healthcare costs. And James was actually the person that exposed me to the functional medicine ecosystem when he brought me on as COO for the evolution of medicine in 2014. And ever since I've witnessed his journey innovating at the cross section of functional medicine and community. So in today's episode, we're gonna go deep on some super powerful stuff that can help health practitioners around the world become more productive, more influential and more impactful. So James, welcome to the show. Great to be here with you, Lee. I'm excited to spend this time together and connect with your audience, so thank you. Yeah, this interview has been a long time in the works and you've really introduced me or initiated into this whole ecosystem of functional medicine and so grateful for that. You've always been a great thinker. So in today's episode, I really wanna dive into with a quick look back in 2014, 15, 16, what you saw as the next steps to bring functional medicine and healthcare cost reduction to the masses to what we did back then with the Practice Accelerator. It starts actually nine years before that, which is, or even, you know, way before that, which is, you know, I was trained in health economics. As part of my training, I realized, wow, in my lifetime, we're going to run out of money because healthcare is going to take up all the money because you basically have way more people being chronically ill for way longer in their lives. And the cost of taking care of all of that becomes insurmountable, you know, very quickly. It just grows exponentially. And so after a little bit of cajoling, I decided to go and like jump into that. And so it was nine years before we met or eight years before we met, I moved to America and got involved in alternative medicine, I guess. I would say at that point, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I worked for a <laughs> clinic and I saw a doctor reverse chronic illness. I saw that it was possible to reverse chronic illness that someone who would be on a trajectory to cost millions of dollars over their lives in drugs and care and so forth could get to a point where they were able to take care of their own health for very little cost, but it took a very different type of medicine to be delivered. And so the next eight years was learning all about all the different ways that this was developed. And then when we met, we were just at the very beginning of trying to popularize these ideas or take what we saw that was a scalable element from what I'd learned over eight years, which we believe was functional medicine and try and popularize it. So we started the Functional Forum as a meetup group for doctors in New York interested in functional medicine. It started in January 2014. But a lot of work had gone into ahead of time to put on events for doctors, understand what they were looking for, really understand what holds doctors back from going to practice in this way. And so when the Functional Forum hit, I think right from the beginning, we really understood the, the market that we were serving 
And so I think that's part of the reason why I just took off the way that it did. And I think it foreshadowed one of the central themes in your career is the importance of community that back then you realized this ecosystem of functional medicine was fairly small and all these doctors were isolated in their practices and didn't really have exposure to a guiding entity, a community that would help them encourage them, hold them accountable and encourage them to move forward. So that's one of the things I definitely witnessed right away with these functional forum shows, first in New York and then all over the country that it brought people together in a shared journey and gave them hope and gave them sort of a guiding light where to move to. So just for our listeners, let's tee up what was then this first concept of the low overhead micro practice that led obviously to the release of your first book in 2016, The Evolution of Medicine? Well, to change medicine is a pretty significant feat, right? There's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, when you start something that's really focused on functional medicine and trying to popularize it, just start to try and think like, where's the low hanging fruit? What can we do? In order to really flatten the curve, you have to have the adoption of functional medicine in a very efficient way across a whole population. But that's a big ask, and we're starting from almost zero. So where's the first place to start? Well, we had heard the story so many times of a doctor quitting their job and starting their practice. And ultimately, when we came along, let's say 2010, 2014, one of the biggest issues really was capital, right? Does a doctor have enough money to start a new practice? Because you've got to get a building and you've got to get front desk people and you've got to get insurance billers. So you're looking at like $200,000 to start a practice. And then as we start doing the functional forum, we start doing the first few shows. And a guy that I'd met along the way at speaking at other conferences a few years before, this guy called Dr. Jeffrey Glad, he kind of ran his practice off a laptop. I mean, he did have a physical location, but ultimately like he was very strong on telemedicine. And we knew that we wanted to talk about technology and, and practice management as well as clinical topics. And that was sort of my area of expertise, I guess. And there was a particularly awesome event, the Functional Forum in May 2014. One, Mark Hyman announced the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine on the show. But also that night, Jeff Glad gave his talk at the Functional Forum. And it was really like the functional micropractice or the integrated medicine micropractice. And it just hit us that this is something that we could help to happen. Like we could help other doctors follow that path because we could see how you could probably start a practice for $20,000 or less because you just needed a laptop. You could do majority telemedicine. You could work in a co-working space and you didn't need all of the kind of capital that was needed previously, especially if you weren't taking insurance, you didn't need insurance billers. There was technology now for booking appointments into your calendar. And so we just took it on that, that's something that we could help achieve. So all of the content was, yes, popular, bringing likable doctors that were aspirational on the show, showing them talk about their clinical medicine, but then also talking about these sort of things that doctors didn't generally talk about, practice management, technology, and how that could shift their practice. And essentially, we did that. We supported all these doctors with using some tools for supplement e-prescribed electronic health record. And we had done thousands of appointments, free appointments with doctors where we helped them on their journey. And you helped us set up that funnel. That was the first job that we had you do was like, we had all these people watching the show. <laughs> How do we get them onto appointments with us? So that was what we hired you first for at the beginning. 
And then, yeah, that became in 2016, it was just like, how do we speed this up, right? How do we make it easy for more doctors to find out about it? So we decided to build a program called the Practice Accelerator, which was designed to be a cohort community of doctors that would go on this journey together. Whenever you have community, you can sort of remove the friction or different parts of friction. And we saw that that was an important part. Like doctors needed to see other doctors doing it to kind of validate this pathway for them. And so in the same way, we could have doctors validating this like practice management pathway. And the lead magnet before the accelerator was the book. And in 2000, and it all just kind of was serendipitous looking back, you know, the kind of events that I went to, the people I met, I found out that it wasn't as hard as I thought to make a book. And we made a book that summer and we released the Practice Accelerator and it was a crazy year. But ultimately we helped hundreds of doctors start to make that transition. And we've had about a thousand since then. Obviously the Practice Accelerator is still going strong and it's going to get re-released later this year. But obviously the book was sort of the first stepping stone on you helping doctors with leading everything up to it. Take me through that transition to your next book that inspired the Community Cure. What was the inspiration for that? And take us through that part. Yeah, the Evolution of Medicine brand and company has always been to help doctors make the switch to practice in a low overhead functional medicine environment. So that was phase one. And I felt like we did a pretty good job of that. Like we had a pathway now where we could introduce doctors to this concept. If they read the book and they resonated with it, they could join the Practice Accelerator. They could sign up with Big Boost Marketing and get a website and they could start their own practice and hundreds of doctors have done it. So it was like, okay, well, that's a good pathway for the doctors. But there's still this nagging feeling, which is like, one, that plan doesn't solve the original problem that I set out to solve. It can help. And in America, maybe it's a good plan. Like you could feasibly think about that, you know, every doctor could become, every primary care doctor could start their own direct primary care practice and serve enough people. It's tenuous whether the maths works out on that really. But in other countries, what it relies on is physician execution and physician entrepreneurship. And in England, where I was born, first of all, no doctors are trained to be entrepreneurs at all. The history of private practice is very, very small. Every doctor that goes through training is really trained to be in the National Health Service. So there's no entrepreneurial feeling there. And also doctors leaving to start their own micro practice in England is actually destroying the NHS, which is something that I became conscious of because my mother was like in the NHS at that time and having her own health issues. And in 2019, my business partner and our great friend Gabe Hoffman passed away. And that summer of 2019, I started thinking about, okay, well, what's next? And what I realized was we needed to like really find a way of delivering this functional medicine operating system in a way that was not reliant on doctors becoming executors, actually not reliant on doctors at all because it's such a resource constraint and getting doctors to do new things is hard. It had to be like scalable, it had to be profitable, and it had to solve some of the core issues that I saw that were holding back medicine. And throughout my time in, in the evolution of medicine, the group visit model just kept on coming back. I did my TED talk about it. It was actually three months before the first forum. I heard the first time someone talk about it and I was like, hang on a minute. This is like radically cost-effective, radically resource-effective and could also be profitable on insurance in a way that one-on-one -on -one functional medicine was very difficult to be profitable on insurance. 
over 2019, I did 13 interviews with doctors that were doing functional medicine groups. I researched all of the groups from lifestyle medicine and integrative medicine, some of the pioneers in group care. And the second book was written really, if the first book was to take to a doctor and say, read this, and if you want to go in this direction, here's how to do it. The Community Cure was the same thing, except I was now like, what if I could give one book to the CEO of a hospital or the CFO of a hospital or the chief medical officer of a hospital or a health system or a plan, and then give them some stepping stones to creating these like structures that can create health with radically fewer resources that's also profitable. And so that was the plan. January 1st, 2020, it comes out. And my plan at that point is to like popularize group medicine. And I knew that it would take a lot to do that because it's a completely different workflow. People aren't used to it. In fact, so much of medicine, the assumptions that we have about medicine, about it needs to be private and it's one-on-one and all that kind of thing. It goes against every medical social norm, right? So it's not just (laughs) an evolution of medicine. This is like a transformation of the way that we think about how to do healthcare. So I knew that it would be tough. Little did I know that two months later, we have lockdowns and all groups across everywhere in the world are shut down simultaneously. No Alcoholics Anonymous, no Narcotics Anonymous, no Overeaters Anonymous, no Cleveland Clinic Center functional medicine groups, no groups happening in any clinic around the country. And essentially, I just realized like, okay, well, there's another huge barrier but actually, in retrospect, when I recognized it was a huge opportunity for actually facilitating the scaling of group care, here's why. If the plan is that you're going to get every single different system to read the book and then start to execute, what you're relying on is that every one of those different places is going to execute well. And you know, and I know that that's probably not a good idea because in general, that doesn't really happen. And there's such a range of execution skill and capacity across positions and systems. And so straight away when COVID hit, I was like, we got to work out how to do this virtually. We got to work out how to do virtual groups and see if it works. And I had a feeling it was, if you look back in the book, the community cure, and I'm happy to give everyone free access to the audio book if you're interested. But in the last chapter, which was called the future, I talked about some doctors that were doing virtual groups at that point, and little did I know the future became the present right away. And so that was the journey to get there. And ultimately, for the last three years, we've been trying to work out, one, do virtual groups work? It turns out they do, and in many cases, much better. Two, can you scale it into populations that have never had access to functional medicine, like Medicare, Medicaid, workers' comp, unions, health plans? The answer is yes, you can. And there's a lot of appetite for it. And so here we are three years later, having gone through some trials and tribulations, but stepping into what I hope will be the biggest part of my legacy, which is, you know, really making it easy for health systems to adopt both functional medicine and group medicine simultaneously with our own brand of functional medicine groups that we call Heal Community. I want to follow up on this last point because you obviously mentioned that Big health systems, hospitals, et cetera, are perfect for this kind of care. But you have a lot of experience to also apply this in private practice. Can you share some examples where individual practitioners have taken this on and added this to the existing care delivery model? Yeah, absolutely. So we started off looking for doctors that already practice functional medicine and took insurance. And there's not that many of them, but there are some. And I happen to know one who lived around the corner from me in Sacramento. 
Dr. Kate Bishrap. So three PAs all trained in functional medicine, her trained as well. She's an MD and they've taken insurance for 20 years. They had tons of patients and they tried to do groups. Like I'd actually gone there. They tried to do some groups. They have a room where they could do it, but it just never really caught on. It's a pain in the ass. Honestly, there are things that make groups a pain in the ass. Is there enough parking? Is there a location where you can do it? Can you get everyone to come in at the same time? Can you recruit people? Can you remind people? All of these things have made it so that something that's so valuable, which is the group, is so hard to execute. So I went to Dr. Bisharat and I was like, hey, I'm going to suggest a partnership. You will run all aspects of these virtual groups. So we'll find the coaches, we'll deliver the program, we'll enroll people, we'll engage people, we'll do everything. All you have to do is give us your impatient list and you obviously have to build the insurance when it comes time to do that. And she was amenable to it. So that was a primary care practice. And we started running these groups and straight away we realized one, man, people needed it during the pandemic, right? Everyone was so isolated. People were scared. Our first group started in October, 2020 and straight away, people were like so grateful to have this kind of community. We saw people like supporting each other in interesting ways. And we saw also that with these longitudinal sessions, like they start off as a three-month group, real friendships were possible. And they were not only possible, but they were happening. And we were thinking that we could do that more consistently. So that was the first step. In 2021, we started to take it to specialty care. Where doesn't it work? Is there anywhere where it won't work? So we did it in mental health clinics and chronic pain and digestive and cardiovascular. And in all those cases, all of those diseases have lifestyle as a huge part. And we were really focusing on getting people to build new habits. One of the things I see in functional medicine newly is that it, the whole thing is built on getting people to do new things, new habits, whether it's taking their supplements, whether it's remembering to do what they're meant to do or doing these new healthy behaviors. And most doctors get bored by that part of it because it's way more fun to do the supplements and come up with these epic plans. But so many patients are being like lost because they can't go from like five cans of Coke to one can of Coke, never mind taking probiotics. They're just starting at such a low level. So we wanted to kind of meet people where they are on that table. So over the last three years, we first of all saw how all the different places that it could be deployed. And now also trying to think about, well, individual clinics are okay, but like if this is profitable and it works clinically, let's take it into the mothership, right? Let's take it to these health systems that have their own problems that are really struggling. And if we could create something that's like scalable, profitable, and easy to execute for them, might that be an opportunity? And I'm excited to say like, as of now, we have our first two health systems that are running group and enrolling new patients. We, we've got a view towards a dozen other health systems and now starting to get some traction as these health systems are successful and share their best practices. And we've built like a community for health systems that are looking to implement health-focused care but are a bit lost because it's new. But it turns out there are a lot of hospitals and health systems that are putting their hand up to say, we want lifestyle medicine. There's over a hundred actually. And so we're just here helping to operationalize it, I guess. For those of you listening, I hope you can appreciate how James has been able to look into his magic crystal ball and predict the future and come out more often right than wrong. And so I'm curious to see your prediction for where are we going from here with artificial intelligence? How does that affect the healthcare system? 
how does it lower costs? You know, what, what else do you see in the next five years coming online? Well, man, I see a lot more chronic illness, that's for sure. I mean, we definitely haven't turned the corner on that. I just saw just a few days ago, America's drop in life expectancy is like ridiculous compared to the rest of the world. And there's so many things driving that. And many of those things would be helped with the deployment of functional medicine at scale. So loneliness, connection, healthy behaviors, de-prescribing pharmaceuticals, all of it would be better. So I'm excited to be in hopefully at the right place at the right time with the right thing to really go at it. Yeah, so I'm interested in AI for sure. You've definitely piqued my interest with things like ChatGPT and I've used it a little bit. But more recently, I think there are some more like very clear medical uses. So even if you look at the role of the coach, so even right from the beginning of the functional forum, we have thought that there's a missing role in functional medicine, which is the coach, because we have to get people to do things. And that's partly because my partner and our friend Gabe Hoffman he was the first guy that I knew that was a health coach in a functional medicine doctor's office. But I met him in 2008 and he was a coach working in a functional medicine doctor's office in Long Island. So he and I were friends for a decade and he really helped me to realize like, okay, look, in most clinics, there's no one like me and people just aren't doing it. And so that's been the sort since the beginning. The main thing that the coach is doing is bridging the gap between patients' intentions and their actions. And so part of that is sort of like, the human to human, hey, let's remember why we're here. And part of it is kind of procedural where it's like, did you remember to do what you said you were going to do? What are you going to do? Let's set your goal. I'm reminding you. An easy use case for AI is to just sort of do some more of that reminding, you know, use of technology to remind and to do it based on what the goals of the patient are. One of the reasons I think that the doctors come to functional medicine play around with it, use it on themselves and their family, and then don't do it every day is because it's really hard. It's like really overwhelming to take in all of that information and have to come up with a plan working with these like really chronically ill people. And I think one of the things that has been really missing is a way to bring together all the disparate data that comes in from all of these different sources and prioritize it and organize it. I think there's a role for AI there. So just on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a guy called Ivan, who I've known for a bunch of years from Calibra, and they have a technology that does those two things. And we're interested in deploying that inside Heal community. And also I think bigger sort of functional medicine celebrities who want to sort of prove their protocol, I think could be a good fit for it. I think doctors who have a significant size functional medicine practice could be a good fit for it. I think there's a lot of potential in taking out some of the sort of grunt work but I would also say my whole theory, my whole thesis on transformation of healthcare is that the most powerful force that's not being used is the human to human peer delivery of value. And essentially like this has come back to me over and over again is that the most powerful person in helping anyone to change is someone that's like, like them that has made a few changes and that person sees them and goes, oh, that doesn't look that hard. That doesn't look that weird. So there's nothing that can replace that, uh, I think, because that speaks to all of our own vulnerabilities, our own insecurities and so forth. But I do think that technology will play a significant role in just making the whole thing work better and to essentially just make it easier for practitioners to bring together disparate information and get action and provide you know supportive structures. So I'm, I'm excited about where things are going, but I also realize like I feel like we're skating to where the puck is going. 
Because if you look at healthcare now, even the so-called innovators in healthcare are still really focused on how do we make it easier for people to take their drugs? And I still think the collective consciousness is still not at the point that we're all at, which is like, how do we reverse chronic illness at scale? So I think I'm hoping that we're skating to where the puck is going on that. So I'm hearing you saying that artificial intelligence will be probably maybe more useful for the logistics of delivering healthcare, making sense of the data, organizing it, prioritizing it, as you said. Do you see any use where AI can help more on the patient side? You mentioned Calibra as, as one of the technologies that are out there. Have you seen other technologies like this that you have become aware of? Yeah, I have. I mean, I've seen quite a few different examples. I know a lot of people are working on, you know, that, that kind of stuff, particularly like the communication interface. I don't know. I'm not really an expert on it. When I see stuff that I like, I'm like, oh, I can see exactly what problem that solves. So yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't really, I haven't really got my head around all of it. I mean, it's happening so fast now. It's almost like ChatGPT came out and suddenly 50 new AI companies like that were in stealth suddenly came out of stealth. And so it's like, if you're in the world and you're looking out to see what's interesting, there's a lot of people that have been working on this in the, in the back end. There's another company that we've been trying to that can tell with 96% certainty from a 20 second clip of your voice, just me doing this podcast with you, the state of your anxiety, depression, and fatigue. So we could send this podcast and they would be able to tell us with 96% certainty, how's Zuli doing? How's James doing? And so I think there's all kinds of use cases for it. The question is going to be, how do you deploy it in an interesting and, and valuable way? If you look at when I was a sales rep early on and I was like seeing all of these weird and wonderful things that practitioners were doing, half of those things have become mainstream. And how have they become mainstream? It's because someone worked out how to make it like easy and fun and engaging to do. So everything from kombucha to probiotics to castor oil packs to, you know, all of this weird stuff that I was, you know, was, was very niche and was only being done in these small number of offices have all kind of made it into the mainstream. And there's some that are still trying to make it in there, but typically someone's made it easy to do. And, and that's what functional medicine is trying to do too. Look at the, the brands that have really taken off is because it's sort of like feels similar enough to something that people are familiar with but also adds significant value through whatever it is. James, thank you so much for sharing your predictions and taking us on this journey of the last two decades that you've gone through. Where can people find out more about you, your books, and connect with you? At jamesmaskell.com, there's links to the books, and then you can connect with me. I post on Instagram, LinkedIn, is mainly the best place, but if you're a doctor, is interested in starting your own micro practice, the evolution of medicine is goevomed.com. If you are working as part of the health system and you've longed to bring some type of integrative and functional medicine to your health system, but have never been able to sort of get it past the bean counters, go to healcommunity.com and, and get in touch. And yeah, Uli, thanks a lot. I want to share my appreciation for you is just that Gabe and I, when we started Functional Forum, it was just a show. Like we didn't really know anything. We just made this show. We knew how to make events for doctors. And I think you really came in at the, an amazing time and helped us realize how we could build sort of like a basic infrastructure to go where it needs to go. And you know, I'm excited about the journey that you've taken and how you're getting just better and better at helping doctors communicate what they do and 
build the models of the future. It's been great to uh, spend this time with you and exciting to see your star rising. I'm excited for your future of uh, where, where you're going to take your business and your work and your legacy. Thank you so much for those amazing words, James. Uh, quite unexpected, but I truly appreciate it. And for everyone else listening, I will put all the links that James mentioned in the show notes so you can connect, including the free audiobook of his book. And we'll see you next week. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening and feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week.